Mark chapter 1 this morning is uh, where we're going to be looking for the message today. And uh, I want to begin by reading verses 21 and 22. Mark chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would teach us this hour what we need to know and show us from the example of our Savior how we should present the truth. And Lord, that you would give us the boldness and the courage that we need to be the witness that we should be for you. In this day where truth is clouded and often silenced. May we speak clearly and consistently, especially as it concerns the message of the gospel. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, over the years, there have been a number of great preachers that the Lord has used in in truly wonderful ways. You go back to the days of the Great Awakening, and you have men like George Whitfield. You have Jonathan Edwards. Later you had a Charles Spurgeon in London, England. You had D.L. Moody who preached both in America and in the United Kingdom. You had Billy Sunday and, and so many others throughout history and even recent history that God has used to proclaim the gospel to millions and millions of people. But of all the great preachers that there have been in history, there is none greater than our Lord Jesus Christ. He is truly the greatest preacher of all. Because He is the living Word who while He was here on earth proclaimed the written Word like no one else. And there are so many things about our Savior that set Him apart and set Him above everyone else. But one of the first things that people noticed about Jesus in His preaching ministry is noted for us here in Mark chapter 1. As He begins to... uh, start what we would call his earthly ministry, going around preaching and teaching, Uh, the first thing that, that stood out to people about Jesus was how he preached and how he taught the Word. Because he did it with authority. They were not used to someone like Jesus declaring the truth without hedging and without hesitancy. They were used to their religious leaders um, as they talked about the Bible, kind of seeming a little uncertain, kind of neither here nor there, we might say. Just, well, maybe this is the case or maybe that is the case. Leaving the door open for other possibilities and what they thought might be true, but maybe or maybe not. Jesus, on the other hand, boldly declared the Word of God and said, this is the truth. He declared it as absolute, as unwavering, and as undeniable truth. The truth was to be believed. It was not to be questioned. It was not to be cross-examined. And it wasn't to be fact-checked by a bunch of bookworms who put more emphasis on what man said than on what God actually said. And I think about the religious culture of Jesus' day and the culture religiously of our day, and I think there are a lot of similarities. There are a lot of 
preachers and teachers of the Bible who are not much different than the scribes of Jesus' day who are just wishy-washy, uncertain, and in their preaching and teaching, they seem to raise more doubts than they do give answers. And I believe that part of the problem that we face in our culture today, I know part of the problem that we face in our culture today, is the fact that we have moved away from absolute truth in general and the absolute truth of the Bible in particular. We live in this day of relativism where everybody thinks that they can have their own truth, that they can decide for themselves what is real and what, is, what, what isn't real, and that they can believe whatever they want and you can believe whatever you want as long as you don't believe that there is such a thing as absolute truth. This is the mixed up world in which we live today and unfortunately many Christians seem to have adopted this philosophy that they're almost afraid to stand up and say, no, this is what is true. That we would be called bigots for saying such a thing. We're concerned that people might think of us as intolerant if we were to say with authority, God says so. I believe that if we're going to make an impact in our generation, then we have to have the same boldness in proclaiming the truth that our Savior did. And when you look at Jesus' followers in the New Testament, their preaching and their teaching was marked by the same sense of authority that Jesus showed in His ministry. From the preacher in the pulpit to the soul winner on the porch, a Christian should be firm in their faith and authoritative in their witness. We're going to keep our outline very simple today. We're going to talk about, first of all, Jesus' doctrine, and then second of all, Jesus' difference. Jesus' doctrine and Jesus' difference. Notice again here in Mark chapter 1, we're told that Jesus went into an area called Capernaum, and the first thing that He did was to go into a synagogue on the Sabbath day, and there He taught. Now, We've got to understand the context in Bible times here. They're in, a, uh, they're in the, the land where the Jews lived, and all over this land there were synagogues set up for the specific purpose of studying the Bible, the Old Testament at this particular point. And so these synagogues were all over the place, and the way a synagogue was, was run was a little different than how we do church today. So in a synagogue, uh, you may have a particular rabbi who kind of led that synagogue, but really any Jewish man had the freedom to stand up and talk and read Scripture and say things. It was, I guess you might say, a, le- a little less formalized than what we are used to, perhaps. And so it was not uncommon for a man to come in, especially if he had been used to teaching in other synagogues, to come into a synagogue and to take part in the service by reading portions of Scripture and commenting on it. And so when Jesus went into this synagogue here, there was actually nothing out of the ordinary to it at all. Now, we look back and we understand that what Jesus was teaching was actually fulfilling the Old Testament law. And, and so His message of, uh, would eventually put an end to, the, to the, Judea, um, the system of worship under Jewish law. But at this particular time, there was nothing odd about this. He went into the synagogue and he took the opportunity 
to teach. Perfectly normal. But what people noticed is that what Jesus was saying and how He was saying it was very different. So first of all, notice His doctrine. It says, they were astonished at His doctrine. His doctrine. Now the word doctrine simply means His teaching. That's that's the stuff that He's saying. What was so different about Jesus' doctrine? After all, as a Jewish synagogue, they were studying the Old Testament every week. That's what they did. They would read portions of it and they would comment on it. So he would have been reading from the same text. What in the world would make it so different? The teaching of Jesus stood out because it was biblical doctrine exclusively. He was not sharing the latest self-help psychobabble. He did not come with a clickbait type sermon, you know, seven guaranteed steps to be a spiritual giant or something like that. No, he came in presenting the bold but simple truth of Scripture. That's what he did. Turn to the book of Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Here is another instance in which Jesus was in a synagogue and He was following the same pattern. Luke chapter 4. And verse 16. And He came to Nazareth where He had been brought up. And as His custom was, He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, that is Isaiah, as we we would say it. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovery to the sight of the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book again and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And all the eyes of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now notice what Jesus did here. This was a pattern that, according to this text, this was his custom. This was how he did things. He went into the synagogue and the first thing he did was to read a portion of scripture. This was a particular passage from the book of Isaiah. And by the way, it was a prophetic passage. It was prophesying of the coming Messiah and what he would do and how he would preach and so on and so forth. And so Jesus gets up and he reads the text. He gives the book back and their custom was for them to then to sit down and make the comments. And so he sits down and what does he say to them? This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now, that was a bold statement. Please don't misunderstand what he's saying here. He is basically saying, I'm the Messiah. Now, this particular instance, I think, shows us the simplicity and the directness of our Savior's approach in His doctrine. Is that He went back to the Scripture and He stuck with the Scripture. How is this particularly different? 
Well, in Jesus' day, people weren't used to somebody just getting up and saying, this is what God says and this is what He means. What they were used to people doing is standing up and reading a portion of Scripture, and then they would say, now, Rabbi so-and-so has this to say about these verses, and they would read what Rabbi so-and-so said. And then they would follow that up and say, but Rabbi so-and-so, and and they would read what a different rabbi said who may or may not have agreed with the first rabbi. And they would just kind of spend 20, 30 minutes, an hour, however long, talking about what all these other people said God said and what all these other people thought God meant by what He said. Let me show you. Jesus kind of alludes to this. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Look at verse 27. We find a pattern here that that emerges in this Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says in verse 27, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Look at verse 33. Again, ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time. Look at verse 37. Ye have heard that it hath been said. You see this pattern here that Jesus is, is uh, uh, using? He's, he's basically pointing out to people that what they've been taught about Scripture was man's idea about Scripture, not God's idea about Scripture. That they were not actually believing and following what God said, but what someone else said God said. And there's a big difference. You've heard that it hath been said. This is what you've heard. But this is how it actually is. See, people were used to just, you know, showing up at a synagogue for a time of religious instruction and maybe hearing verses read, but there was, there was no real definitive interpretation or even application of the truth. It was basically, let's just pull our ignorance here and, and let's, let's assemble all the things we don't know. But what Jesus did is He stood up with the doctrine of the Word of God and said, this is what God says and that's what God means. His doctrine was different. His doctrine was different because it was biblical doctrine founded solely upon the Word of God, not on the words of man. Now, when they heard Jesus do this, the Bible says that they were astonished by it. They were amazed. They were like, wow, we haven't heard anything like this before. And in their mind, they were hearing something new. Like this was, this was brand new to them is almost the idea. But in reality, Jesus was teaching something very ancient. It was not new doctrine. The thing that made it stand out is that it was the same old doctrine, but now it's being presented in, with clarity and with a sense of authority. Jesus didn't come to do away with the Old Testament law. He came to fulfill it. That's what He said in Matthew 5, 17 and 18. 
And it was only news to them because they were used to hearing man's theories about God in the Bible and not just the Bible itself. Jesus went back to the original source, the Bible. You know, they tell us today that if you want to uh, reach the world, you have to have a new approach. You need new packaging. You need, to, you need to make it fresh. You need to make it different if you're going to reach the world today. You know, our culture is addicted to new things. One of the biggest industries in our nation right now is the news industry. News and, uh, and entertainment accounted for $660 billion worth of revenue in 2020. That's a lot of money being pumped into news and entertainment because people are addicted to seeking something new. The social media platforms, they understand this and they design their apps and their programs uh, to get you addicted to looking for something new. You're flipping through those reels, you're scrolling through those posts because you want to see something new and hopefully it'll catch your eye and you can stop there for a second long enough for them to throw an ad in your face and make a bunch of money off of it. They're very intentional about this. People want something new. And sadly, this is true spiritually. And people today seem to be more interested in what is new, what is shocking, and what is even outlandish versus the good old-fashioned truth. It's not all that different than in Bible times. In Acts 17, we read about a place called Mars Hill. And at Mars Hill, it says that, that all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time and nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Our world is just addicted to this. Give me something new. Oh, I've heard that before. Let me hear something new. Let me hear something different. But you know what the Apostle Paul did on Mars Hill? He presented the old, old story of the gospel. In fact, he went back to the oldest story of all. He went all the way back to creation. He said, on my way up Mars Hill, I passed a monument to the unknown God. Let me declare Him to you. And he went on to say that this is the God who created the universe and He is the God who sent His Son so that we might be saved. I know the world wants to hear something new, but what they need to hear is something old. They need to hear the gospel. His doctrine was simply what God said. Never be afraid to back up what you believe with the Bible. I know the world says, well, you can't just say the Bible says so. That's not good enough. You need to prove it to us some other way because God says so. The Bible says so. That's not really good enough anymore. And so, sadly, many Christians have bought into that thinking. And they've tried to come up with other ways to prove what is true. Now, it's true because God says so. It will be supported by other evidence, but the ultimate proof is not the evidence, but the fact that God said it. That's the ultimate proof. The sword of the Lord, that is the Word of God. It's our only spiritual weapon. And see, what Satan has done is tempted us to think that this weapon isn't sufficient. So we need to set it down and we need to find a different one. There is no other spiritual weapon. If we're going to fight against the, war, the, the wiles of the devil, if we're going to stand firm in our faith, we have to be grounded in the Word of God. That's His doctrine. But then notice His difference. 
It says that he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. The authority of Jesus here is what they noticed. He taught like a person who had a right to say what he was saying and like a person who knew what he said was right. That's what made it stand out. The word authority here is the, is the same word that is used of civil authorities, like a king. The king could do what he wanted. He had the right to do it because he was king. And Jesus had the right to teach this truth because He is the Creator God of the universe. And He is the living Word. He knew that He had the right to say what He said, and He, had, he knew that what He was saying was right. So He didn't hedge. He didn't stammer. He didn't beat around the bush. He didn't apologize for the truth. He didn't minimize the truth. He boldly proclaimed it. And notice that this in particular was in contrast to the scribes. Because it says in our text there, and not as the scribes. Well, who were the scribes? The scribes were the professional copiers of the Bible. That's what a scribe did. Back in Jesus' day, the, the printing press, as we know it, had not been invented wasn't in use, and so if you wanted a copy of a book, you had to make it out by hand. And so there were people whose job it was all day long is to copy by hand different writings and to write things. And so scribes were a group of of men who had trained, and it was their occupation, their profession, to make copies of the Scripture. So that meant they spent a lot of time reading and a lot of time writing. They were very well trained. They were very intelligent. They were very educated. They knew what the Bible said. As good as anybody and better than most. So when, they're being, when Jesus here is being contrasted to the scribes, this is not just some you know, bumbling group of religious rookies here. I mean, these were some very intelligent men that everybody looked to as authorities in Scripture. But now people are saying, wow. Jesus is different from them because He's teaching with authority. See, the scribe knew what the Bible said. That wasn't his problem. They may have excelled in in their grammar and in penmanship, but what they lacked was conviction. You know, there are a lot of people who they are very good at forming sentences and using language to create emotion and tell stories and different things like this. And they can stand before a group of people and uh, weave a religious message that will just captivate an audience. And you think, man, that person is so eloquent. That person, uh, just, I love hearing them and I love reading what they write. Surely they must know what they're talking about. Listen, the ability to speak well, to be eloquent, or to have good handwriting, as it were, is not the same thing as having a firm conviction of the truth and knowing what God says and believing what God says. I, for one, am glad that penmanship is not a qualification for ministry. When When I was in elementary school, handwriting was my nemesis. I, I was a pretty good student. I got A's in everything except handwriting. The highest grade I ever got in handwriting was a B. 
like an 85 or something like that, and I was thrilled. I was so glad when I got to junior high, I didn't have to take that anymore. I don't have very neat handwriting. I don't claim to. Some of you get letters or cards from me. You're probably turning it every which way, trying to figure out. Maybe you can read the signature, and you're like, well, I guess it's something good. I don't. I'm glad that that's not a qualification for ministry. These guys had it. They, they were smart, but they had no conviction. They could stand up and they could quote passages of Scripture to you and you can say, great, now what does that mean? And they say, I don't know. I can tell you what Rabbi so-and-so says it means. I can tell you what Rabbi so-and-so says. I don't know which one. There was no authority there. They could give you all the ideas that others had come up with about the Bible, but they couldn't convince you that it was true because they were not convinced themselves what was true. Jesus spoke with authority because He spoke from the Bible. He said... In essence, thus saith the Lord. I love that phrase. I looked it up. That phrase, thus saith the Lord, is used 415 times in the Bible. Thus saith the Lord. God says so, is the idea there. That was the secret that made the prophets bold. How could Elijah stand up and square off against 450 prophets of Baal? Thus saith the Lord. That's how. How could someone like Moses stand before Pharaoh and say and do what he did? Thus saith the Lord. That's how. How could Peter, John, the Apostle Paul stand in the face of persecution, people who didn't want to just silence them, who wanted to kill them and boldly proclaim the gospel? How could they do that? Thus saith the Lord. That's how. They went back to the Word of God for their authority, just like our Savior did. Our authority is derived from Jesus' authority through the Scripture. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. The word for power there is the same word translated authority in our text, Mark chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. All authority, all right, all dominion, all kingship is given to me, Jesus said. And so I'm telling you, based on that authority, you go and teach all nations. Somebody says, what right do you have to tell me what is true? The answer, the right that Jesus has given us. Thus saith the Lord. It's not our authority in and of ourselves, but it's the authority that we've been given by the Lord Jesus Christ. We're commissioned as official representatives of Jesus on earth. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead be reconciled to God. What does an ambassador do? An ambassador goes to a foreign country to represent his homeland under the authority of the government there. So we have ambassadors that, as Americans, we have ambassadors all over the world. That ambassador is supposed to represent us. Where does he get his authority? From us, we the people. That's how it's supposed to work. And so it is that we've been given authority by God. We are ambassadors on earth to beseech Men in Christ's place because Jesus is not here physically. We are. It is our job to represent Him and to preach the gospel. 
He taught as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And so we see the astonishment of the people. The people were not used to hearing someone speak so authoritatively. It's interesting. It's just something that God has wired into us, I believe, that people respond to authoritative speaking. The reason that social media influencers succeed oftentimes is because how convincing they are in what they say. Even when they say the most ridiculous and outlandish things. If they say it with enough authority, you and I will say they really believe that. And if they really believe that, maybe there's something to it. And we get sucked into that simply because of the authority. You ever had that experience? Maybe you watched a video or something and somebody says something and you're like, that sounds crazy. But the more that they talk, the more you're like, but they really believe it. And all of a sudden you find yourself kind of starting to get sucked into this. Not necessarily because of the merits of their argument or the facts that they're sharing, but simply because they seem so sure themselves. People respond to authority. Problem is that Satan uses that to deceive people. We need to be as bold with the truth as some people are with their lies and their kooky conspiracy theories. Jesus spoke with authority that astonished the people. Turn over to Luke chapter 4. And I want to, make, I want to show you this, this verse of Scripture so that you understand that the kind of authority was not a mean-spirited argumentative, contrary kind of authority. But it was simply a bold and firm conviction that was filled with grace. Luke chapter 4, verse 22. It says, And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? Gracious words. We sometimes think that if we're going to be bold, then we have to be mean. No, we don't. I know, I know that outrage gets a lot of traction in our culture today. It seems like it's competition between groups is who can be the most outraged, you know. The angriest person wins. And sometimes as Christians we think, well, we just need to get angry about this. And if we're angry enough, then we can convince the world. No. It's not a matter of being more angry than anyone. It's a matter of simply being bold and firm in our conviction and proclaiming the truth without uncertainty, without doubt, but doing so in a gracious and a loving manner. And that means that sometimes you have to say hard things. Things that people aren't going to like, things that people may misinterpret, but you still say them because it's right and it's what they need to hear. You can speak the truth in love even if that truth is hard. You can say it with genuine compassion. You can courageously contradict the lies of the devil without being mean and hateful. Look, Jesus did this. Go back and read Matthew 23 when you get a chance. There he, he nailed the scribes and the Pharisees. Over and over again, he said, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. 
And he would, he would go on and explain what, what they were doing wrong, what they were saying wrong. At one point, he called them a generation of vipers. That's pretty strong language. Was Jesus being hateful? Quite the contrary. He was being very loving because he was exposing their faults so that they might repent and be restored and be saved. It was the most loving thing Jesus could do for them. He didn't speak to everybody like that, but for these religious leaders who had repeatedly refused to accept His message, He got pretty firm with them. He got pretty bold. And you can also be that bold, and you can stand up with courage and say, absolutely not, I'm not going to go along with that. I'm not going to believe that. I'm not going to echo that. And listen, I... I'm trying to avoid being political this morning. But it's all political nowadays, isn't it? Because increasingly, governments are passing laws and, and promoting things that are anti-biblical and anti-God. But we can stand up and say, no, I'm not going to go along with that. No, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to validate this perversion. I'm not going to affirm this deception. I'm not going to do it. This is the truth. Thus saith the Lord. And we can speak with authority. And if we're going to make a positive difference with the gospel, we have to. So let me tie this back in. When it comes to actually sharing the gospel with others, it is absolutely vital that when we share the gospel, we do it with humble confidence and that we do it with Christ-like authority. You know what the world is used to hearing when it comes to spiritual things? What they're used to hearing is, well, this is my way, you need to find your own way. I remember hearing um, an interview that um, a famous preacher did uh, with David Letterman many years ago. I believe it was David Letterman at least, but uh, one of those talk show, night show guys. And this, this uh, famous figure was asked, do you really believe that people have to believe in Jesus to go to heaven? And he said, well, you know, I, I, I believe that. And I believe that you have to believe in Jesus in order to be saved and in order to go to heaven. But that's just my way. Everybody has to find their own way. That's what the world is used to hearing. Unfortunately, that message is the message that will send the world to hell. Because Jesus said, listen to it, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That is thus saith the Lord. And when we share the gospel with someone, we cannot be timid and say, well, you know, you might want to consider maybe that... No. You can in love say, this is what God says. God says we are all sinners. And because we're all sinners, we all deserve to die and go to hell. But the Bible tells us that God sent His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. This is not a theory. This is fact. And Jesus lived on this earth... God the Son lived a perfect life. 
And ultimately, He was crucified and died. Though He didn't deserve it, He died in our place. Yes, He died, but the Bible says that He was buried and three days later, He rose again. That's not a theory, that's fact. And so all that you have to do to be saved is place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. No work of yours will ever be enough to earn your salvation. You must trust Jesus and Jesus alone. It is that kind of firm conviction and clear authoritative presentation of the gospel that this world needs. They cannot afford for us to speak like the scribes. Say, well, you know, people have this idea, some people have this idea, some people have that idea. Just make up your mind for yourself. No. They need those of us who are followers of Christ to heed His example and to speak with authority. And the world, understand, is increasingly hostile toward the truth of the Bible, actively seeking to silence us. And so it's more important than ever that we proclaim the truth without apology. I caught myself years ago, I would, I would sometimes use the expression, well, I hate to tell you, but, and then I'd share a truth. Or, you know, I'm sorry, but, and I would share a truth. And I, I caught myself doing that a lot. And that one day it was brought to my attention and I, I realized, you know what? I shouldn't say that. Because if it's the truth, I'm not sorry. And if it's the truth, I shouldn't hate to tell them. We need to stand without apology on the truth of the Bible and we need to proclaim it. See, the world and Satan wants to, cite and wants to silence us or at least make us so afraid that we don't have any conviction when we say anything about the truth. But it is not God that gives us a spirit of fear. He gives us a spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind. And so let's stand firm on the Word of God. Let's know what it says and therefore believe it and then share it with authority. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for the example of our Savior for all that He did for us here on earth and all that He did for us in His death, His burial, His resurrection. And even now as He ever lives to make intercession for us, His ministry goes on. And Lord, I pray that as His followers, we would heed His example and share with authority the truth of the gospel. Forgive us, Lord, for allowing fear to rob us of our conviction. And help us to maintain that balance of being able to speak the truth and say the hard things, but to do it graciously and lovingly. And I pray these things in Jesus' name.